Hello, everybody. Let's let's have some reaction time. Uh, we've got Kendall <laughs> Rogers, Aaron Fitt. I'm Mark Etheridge, and we now know the field of 64. Uh, I do think that that overall, um, it's it, it wasn't the worst job that a committee has done. There were so, certainly some head scratchers, uh, from my opinion, but um, I think. They, they got most of the, the seeds correctly. I mean, the twos and the threes and the fours and yep. for that matter, maybe even the ones are all, you know, they're, they're all defensible. I, I think that we're all good there. I, I do think just snap reaction is RPI carried the day. And, you know, we've all had this discussion and you heard uh, committee chair, John Cohen's comments uh, about how the RPI has its, has its issues, but we're still really reliant on it. Yeah. So I, I guess I won't take all of the reaction time. I'll, I'll throw it to you, Aaron. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I will say this first off because, you know, we criticize as part of mm-hmm. our jobs. Um, and and I've, I just went on a little Twitter thread about how I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the lip service about how we need to come up with something better than the RPI and then we don't do it. And I get you can't switch it midstream. I agree with Cohen on that. Like the teams have built mm-hmm. their schedules for this year. Like you couldn't have maybe switched the criterion this year. You could have weighted it a little differently than, than you did. Yeah. But like, let's go ahead and get the ball rolling right now on a change for 2025 or, or 2026 or next year, whatever yeah. it is. Like, but has there been any actual work done behind the scenes on that? that that's one thing I want to know. So, so, so that out of the way, my, my criticism, um, this is not, this is really a pretty solid field. I, I, I agree with you. There was not one thing in here that I thought was, was indefensible, which we've had in, in some cases in the past. There was not one thing that was shocking. I mean, we missed two teams in our final projection, but all of us thought Louisiana should be in when we met last night. Um, I thought they would be in, um, and then they did. And the other one, Arizona, was a little more surprising. But both those teams were in our first four out. You can make a case, certainly for Arizona. I mean, I, I, I prefer USC's case and Irvine's case, but you can make a case for Arizona. And, and, and lastly, I mean, like you said, I, I thought almost all the seeds within the regionals were appropriate, maybe even all of them. I mean, you can make a case for Iowa as a two over North mm-hmm. Carolina. That was close. Yeah. yeah, close. So, I mean, like the result of that is we got 16 regionals that are all, I think, really good as far as comp- competitive balance. Probably the best field, I would say, guys, that I can ever remember in, in that regard. I don't feel like there was any teams that were underseeded or overseeded within the regional resulting in a lopsided field. So, so kudos to the committee for that. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is when I look at the West Coast, UC Irvine, John's comments on UC Irvine really caught my attention because he mentioned their top 50 record. The, the issue I have at UC Irvine is if you look at their body of work, they did really well against the Pac-12. They took care of business in non-conference other than the Kansas State Series. They did pretty well. I mean, they finished strong in the Big West. The other thing about UC Irvine, guys, is if you look at their resume, they lost all those top 50 wins like the last like two and a half weeks. So mm-hmm. I just think it's important whether it's getting periodic updates on where the top 50, where the top 50 records are, are sitting. For instance, I think the committee needs a weekly sheet of like, here's this week's top 50 records for all these teams. Because I think if a committee looked at that, they'd go, Oh, well, the only reason their record is not nine and one or eight, I think it was like eight and two or something at one point. Like the only reason it's not that is because, these two teams tanked at the end of the season. So should a team be missing the postseason because two teams they played and played well against had bad, two bad weeks? Like, I don't think you should be out of the postseason because of that. So that's one thing for me. I think the other, I think Aaron brings up a great point about the RPI and what we can change. And I know from talking to John, and I'm sure he'll mention this in a little bit, is he would like to look at, uh, like, you know, accounting travel and RPI. Uh, the, pro- the, the problem I have with that is, 
if that's one of the things that, that he would like to change, then like how does Boston College not host? Because there's I don't I'm not sure there's anybody in the country that had to go play more road games at times in Boston College. So like that obviously wasn't like a huge consideration this year, you know, having to go on the road. So yeah, just just some of the changes the RPI could have travel. Uh, you know, teams did cancel games. It's, it's kind of interesting. Oklahoma, which made the field over Kansas State, canceled a game that's ORU in the midweek, uh, the last week of the season. So that obviously wasn't held against them. So and there's a lot of that going on. So I'm not, not I'm not throwing Oklahoma to the bus. Texas A&M, who was a top eight seed last year, did it the second to last week of the season. But yeah. you know, accounting for you know, or or penalizing teams for canceling those games, I think will be a will be something to keep an eye on over the next year. And just to quick piggyback on your Irvine points, you mentioned the road thing for for BC. Irvine was nineteen and six on the road, um, wow. and also, I mean, they were six and one against Arizona State, USC, and Santa Barbara, which were all top fifty teams until like the last week or two. And then so all of a sudden, you know, their their, their top fifty record goes from whatever, mm-hmm. you know, six or whatever, eight and, and two to, to zero and one, just like that. And it's like mm-hmm. the quality of the teams they played didn't really change. Those teams are just outside the top fifty. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a case where I feel like they should have looked a little deeper. And see, that's why just using a round number, okay? Mm-hmm. So why why does fifty matter? Why right. not fifty four or, or forty three or whatever? Sixty four, yeah, yeah, right, or yeah, and and that's why I like the metric against the field. And and even though you haven't assembled the field, you you can assemble the field contenders, right? Yeah. And include bubble teams in that, and that should be what you're gauged against. And and maybe that that. You know, that group of teams, we evaluate that, and that changes every week. And, and then well, going yeah. into the final final week of the year, then then you're not hoping that because a team that didn't play drops from 49 to 51, and it hurts your case, and, yeah. and, and you don't make the field. Great yeah, time. I think the other thing that would be interesting too, Mark and, and Aaron, is to see, you know, when you guys get on the call with John a little bit, like is record against the potential field like something to actually look at? Because I know like – us as a trio, we look at that, but like it's not anywhere in the official, you know, things that the, the committee is supposed to look at. So maybe that's something now that they are looking directly at is what your record is against the existing field that you have on the board. Well, it's one of those things that, that gets mentioned, you know, not maybe not every year, but it does get mentioned from time yeah. to time. Remember last year, series wins came up, and that was the first time that that had, had been acknowledged as something we always mm-hmm. talked about. So it's so there are some unofficial you know, criteria that are sort of, you know, tangent to, to, to what we actually have that, in, that sometimes are used and sometimes are not, you know, the, the cynic in me thinks that, okay, well, they just took the RPI struck, struck out the teams that were just really subpar in conference, skipped them, went to the next team, take, take, take. And then when you got down to the last few, then, then you might look at it and try to break ties or do whatever you want. That's what it looks like, right? And that's why I would think, you know, because Louisiana had a worse RPI by one slot than, than Kent State and got in. And I think that's a league pick because of the strength of that conference and, and the teams that yeah. and how well, well they finished. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I think one thing that's interesting too is like some of these teams have common opponents that didn't get in. If you look at UC Irvine, they swept Arizona State on the road. Kansas State took a series from UC Irvine at Irvine. So I think as they looked at those groups, that that trio of teams right there, they probably said, hey, well, we can't put them in and leave them out. We can't put them in and leave them out. So they just left all of them out. For, for me, Arizona w- would probably be the biggest, I guess, 
uh, surprise, we'll call it. Uh, 12 and 18 in the conference, five games behind USC, who wasn't even in the next four out. Okay. So why why even play the season? Just game the RPI and and get where you want to get, and then go on a run in your conference tournament and you're in. Yep. And you can put Arizona State finish. Go ahead, Aaron. You can poke holes in both USC and Arizona State. I mean, in particular, that, that top yeah, 50 record. Sure. 5 and 15 and 1 for USC, 8 and 14 mm-hmm. for Arizona State. Uh, Arizona, right. Arizona 8 and 12. But that said, I mean, the fact that USC won seven of its 10 conference series, um, finished five games ahead of, of Arizona in the standings. Um, yeah. You know, Arizona got swept four times in conference, they lost six of their 10 series. Um, I don't think the last two weeks finishing strong for me should have overpowered. USC's total body of work. Yeah, I agree. And and that's where, I mean, the RPI is better. Uh, as you heard, you know, the fifth best RPI in the conference. And uh, so you're in. And that's, I don't know that it yeah. shouldn't, you know, there's other criteria to evaluate. Conf- conference standings don't matter at all. Yeah, I mean, especially I mean, in a league where you where everybody plays everybody. It's a true round robin. You go 17 and 13 in the Pac-12. I, I almost feel like it should I won't say automatic, but like, you know, they won 34 games. They did good enough non-com. They should have been in. Can I tell you one team that, uh, like, I would have loved to see them in the postseason is Kansas State. You know, I saw them up close to the Big 12 tournament. I saw them at Round Rock, and I, I thought they were clearly better than Oklahoma. Like, I didn't even think it was a question. Uh, when you look at their, their front-line talent with Kalen Culpepper and Nate Goodwin, Tyson Neighbors, who, who will probably be a first-team All-American for us, Oh, that's a that's a team with some front line superstars that will not be in the postseason. So I'm a little disappointed to not see those guys in the postseason. And we all thought they were more deserving than Oklahoma. We thought Oklahoma would get the nod, Mark. You pushed for that based on the RPI, and you were right on it. Um, but but you know, we all liked Kansas State more. I mean, they swept the head to head. They finished yeah. two games ahead of them in the standings. And I, I just think those things should matter more than an RPI difference. Although, I mean, you know, there's a non conference yeah. the schedule factor that weighs very strongly sure. in Oklahoma's favor. No doubt. And, and, and on the on the opposite side of things, uh, to give you some credit, you know, we we all three fought in Louisiana was a top, was a top sixty four team. You voted on Louisiana being in. We voted on them being out. Thinking the committee wouldn't put them put them in, they put them in. But that's a team we all three deserve thought deserved right. to be in. Yeah. Well, we with were comparing them against Oklahoma, yeah. <laughs> which, which <laughs> also got in. Yeah. Uh, what we should have been doing is comparing them against USC or or Irvine. Irvine. And we honestly we we missed on that. We we didn't agree with what the committee, uh, you know, with the way they oh, did it. Yeah. And so our and the committee a, missed on that. Yeah, exactly. The committee missed on that. I mean, that's the thing though, is like typically Mark and not every year, there's some years where the, you know, the West just gets hosed, but like a lot of times the committee does give the West more RPI leeway. Yeah. If, you, if you finish 52, 53 in the RPI, but you get to 17 and 13 in the pack, you usually get in. I mean, there's Agreed. historical precedent for that. And there should be because geography is a factor when it comes to the RPI. It's been long acknowledged. It's harder for the West to have good RPIs uh, because of the midweek games and everything else and the travel. And, and like, it, it just, that, that that's why it's surprising, I guess. Is usually there's there's, there's precedent there. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think one other thing we can hit on is uh, some of like the SEC teams who were two seeds. They didn't they didn't get an easy draw. That's for sure. I mean Tennessee going to Clemson. Mm. That that's that's a, that's a team you don't want to face right now. Although it could be an incredible scene if both those teams win and and you've got a Saturday night there. That that could yeah. be a, the marquee matchup of the whole the whole week and then a and going to Stanford. That, that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. 
Uh, the A&M's playing as well as anybody right now. And, uh, you know, they're going to get a chance to take on a, the Pac-12 champ. So uh, th- oh. th- those, were, those were two pairings I thought were interesting. Yeah, only two two seeds out of the SEC. Everyone else, of course, is a one. Uh, and they both get, get tough draws. And, you know, for, for Clemson, I was a little surprised to see Tennessee head their way, just mm-hmm. given Tennessee's um, big name appeal i, I would have i mean we, we had them going to Terre Haute for that reason mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i mean that's you're right that's a it's a marquee matchup there's i mean there's you know there's not one regional that i thought oh this is a total snoozer i know kendall maybe disagrees with that a little bit but like i thought i'll, I'll I don't say snoozer i just i just think like lexington for me is just a regional full of i would say above average teams like i think even though kentucky is a top 16 seed they are an yeah. above average team for me that's fair, but I think it's anyone's game out there. You know, I mean, I think West oh, for, Virginia, no, without a doubt, West Virginia or, or Indiana State, or is Wright State the four there? Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, Ball State, Ball State, yeah, I mean, Ball State. Yeah. They're dangerous four. So, yeah, here's the other thing for me that's really interesting as we as we look ahead, and we'll kind of break this all down a bit later in the week. But you know, LSU getting Tulane as a four seed. That that's not your typical like 19 and 40 team. This is a team that struggled all year long. But if you look at some of their, their players in the roster, like they've got some talent. So the, the question for me is given like two lanes, a little bit of a rival, like if you're Jay Johnson, do you pitch off at Paul Skeens in that regional? Uh, I think it's a tough decision for Jay. Well, I, maybe, but I think that what the, the last, what, four weeks, LSU's lost two out of three, three of those. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're not really heading into this with a lot of momentum, I mean, I don't know that you want to risk it. I think you just go I agree. And, and just try to win the game. I mean, they lost both the games that Skeens and Floyd pitched this in, in Hoover. Now, granted, the, the competition will be different in the regional, but but that's still the fact that they didn't win those games. So I, I, I kind of expect them to, to throw Skeens yeah. and, then, and then Floyd and then Hurd. I, I think that's going to be the, the trio. I think that makes a lot of sense. But for me, if you're looking to be a national title team, you can't beat a 40 loss team at home without using your, your first team all American. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, given their other problems on the mound, I would really try to save skis yeah. for Saturday. Normally, I know it's a gamble. Yeah. Normally I would agree, but just after watching LSU and, and how things have gone with their, yeah. with their inconsistency on the mound, I, I think I, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to go in that loser's bracket because they don't, you know, they just don't have the, the depth right now to, to claw out of it. They'd have to win by offense, which they are perfectly capable of doing. A couple other things here. Uh, the, the, the order of the 16 national seeds was a little bit perplexing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, Alabama being down at 16 <laughs> behind Indiana State, Auburn, yeah. and South Carolina. I mean, how do you explain that? This reminded me of the pre-16 era when we didn't seed 1 through 16, and they, and they kind of gained the matchups where they didn't yeah. want teams to face each other or they wanted to engineer matchups. That, that's what it looked like to me. Uh, I don't, I don't believe that's the actual, actual way they ordered those 16 teams. I think, I think it was kind of played with a little bit. Yeah. yeah it had to be a, a team Alabama that was number 11 in the RPI. Um, you know, I think the metrics are better across the board than, than Auburn um, in particular. And certainly Indiana State, they've got a lot more quality wins. That, that, that two and nine top 50 record, of course, is an eyesore for Indiana State, as much as we thought they would probably get a host as a top 10 RPI team that won its regular season in a conference tournament. We thought they would be the 16 and said they're the 14. 
Um, do we need to talk about the the elephant who, uh, who who followed the honor code and left the room whenever uh, his team was talked about? Or, I mean, like the the, the politics here, guys. I mean, or, or do we just leave it? I mean, we we know there's various, <laughs> various people on the committee who have allegiances and they're not supposed to be in the room. They're not supposed to have any thumb on the scale, but you know, figure it out. Yeah, it's not hard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Auburn, you know. The host went by RPI except for one. Oh yeah! Hey, here's the number nineteen RPI team that's going to be seated. Funny how that works. Yeah, ama- amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's whether, whether there's any improprieties going on or not, right? That's the perception that everyone's going to draw. So it's yeah, it's, it's just it's bad optics. Marcus, Marcus, we kind of we have the the conference call here in just a little bit, but as we as we kind of wrap this up. You're you're a guy who's like knee deep in RPI stuff. Like, what is like? What are two things for like people watching that you would want to change about the RPI in particular? One of the one of the things yeah. I mentioned earlier was a travel aspect. Yeah, I, I think that the the whole tiered aspect of it that we kind of talked about earlier. I, I don't really like that because it's kind of self fulfilling prophecy here. Um, the other mm-hmm. thing is you should not be penalized for playing a game. Okay, so. Uh, there, there are ways that, that we can adjust that so that, you know, you, you're better off canceling a game than playing it. That's not why we're here. We're here to play the games, guys. It's, it's not about gaming the system. And so I think those are two things. And I think the other thing is, you know, we can look at some other systems. We don't just have to stick with the RPI. There, there are other ones out there and we can create yeah. them. We have a lot of smart people in the game. So, um, and that's something. I mean, that's an off-season project for for us at D one. We're we're going to we're going to dig into that and and, and have some ideas yeah. on how we can improve it. And then, fortunately, you know, in our role, we can we can maybe give something back to the game and help it, right? And, 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 and be, be able to, yeah, be able to to make everyone's life better. And I'll be fascinated to learn if this is also an off-season project for the committee, or if it's just lip service. Like, oh, something we need to some, so, you know, something can and will change in the future. Like, okay, well, who's actually working on it? Like, are you guys actually doing anything, or are you just passing the buck to the next yeah. guy? Uh, and I think I'll, I know I'll the answer. My time, hey guys, if you if you want you want to pull in somebody who's been following this forever. Yeah, I mean, right here. This is your guy, the nerd. Ma- the guy. I mean, how could you turn down the nerd master general? NMG baby. Uh, um, real quick, hey, the bracket challenge at D1 Baseball is live. I just pushed it here a minute ago, so thanks to our friends at Louisville Slugger for uh, sponsoring that. Also, if you're setting your bracket, some some news here for you. Uh, Scott Forbes announced that Vance Honeycutt is out this weekend. Ooh. So that is notable news for the Tar Heels uh, going to the NCAA postseason. But, yeah, go fill out your bracket. Go, You can go add a group, add all your friends to it. Uh, I won't promote betting. Uh, that's probably a bad thing to do right now. But, uh, yeah, go make your bracket. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you all later.